This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing and a high fly ball. Right field and deep. Guyer to the wall. Rays win! Rays win! Rays win! D-Man Toy with a two-run walk-off home run. The Rays winning ways here at Tropicana Field continue. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. Bounce towards first and through a base hit right field. He's going to take a turnaround first and try for second. Here comes the throw by Gretchik. He is safe at second base. A hustle double for Kiermaier. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good morning and welcome to our second show of 2020 and our unique and in-depth look at all things Rays. Today we sit down with lefty Ryan Yarbrough, who's been the team's top starter so far. Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times joins us to discuss the week gone by. We chat with field coordinator Michael Johns in Port Charlotte, as well as pitching prospect Josh Fleming. And to finish, we'll talk dessert with Madison Lau and her at-home bakery. Well, we continue on this week in Rays baseball, and our feature guest this week is the guy who's the winningest pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays over the last two years, having won 27 games, and that is Ryan Yarbrough. Ryan, thanks very much for a few minutes. Tell me what it means to hear those words, the winningest pitcher on a staff that's been so good over the last couple of seasons. Hey, Neil, appreciate you having me. It's it's uh, not a stat I normally, like, comes to mind right off the bat because our whole staff is really, really good. So that's pretty cool to hear, but we, we have a, a ton of good pitching and a lot of great depth, so it's exciting for this year. And you started this year in the rotation. Can you explain what it means to get that or what it meant to get that opportunity to begin the year as a starter? Yeah, it's um, it, it feels great right now, to be honest. Um, I'm really excited. It was something that last year, getting the opportunity, and then coming into this year's spring training, uh, both of them, I guess, technically, uh, knowing and kind of laying it out there and being like, look, like this is what I would like to do. Um, I understand I have still a lot to prove and to continue to do that. And uh, I feel like I've been able to show that. And that's the kind of the goal is to continue to show them that I can continue to do this and help the team be successful that way. Where do you think you're better? Obviously, you want to continue to grow. Where do you think you were better, let's say, from there, from now, from this point a year ago? I think just um, maybe doing the work leading up, doing your homework, things along those lines. And I think Charlie Morton's been huge for me that way, just understanding how much work he does between every five days, like all the little things that really add up to making you successful, really picking his brain about what more I can do to really take that next step. And I think last year I was able to kind of understand a little more and kind of try to continue to grow that way and really just continue to make strides and continue to become a better pitcher. What are some other little things that you've picked up from him? Because obviously he's been a pretty big mentor to you. Yeah, it's um, it's more of understanding of who you are as a pitcher is, is for one, is crucial. Um, what makes you successful and then how to go out there and really 
get the most out of what makes you so good. Um, and that's what's really great about our team is we have a lot of really unique guys and everyone does something really well, but it's not all, not everyone is the same thing. So we have a little bit of everything on our staff. I feel like that's what makes us so great. Um, so just learning stuff like that and him and Kyle Snyder have been great for me for helping me learn that. So then tell me what your greatest strengths are. Uh, just uh, probably attacking the zone. Really, my goal every time I go out there is to go as deep into the ball game as possible, really help the team get into a position to win the games. And uh, that's always been my goal. And I guess kind of like you said, just putting, getting opportunity to win games and helping your club win games and getting to where you want to be at the end of the year is kind of all you can really ask for. And I think, you know, you want to continue to grow. So knowing yourself is so important. How do you think you can improve? I think it's just staying consistent, knowing, like you said, baseball is a, a, a game of adjustments. It's There's always going to be something for you to work on. I feel like that's why I love this game and why I continue to do that. There's, It's kind of hard to get into those things where you feel like you have nothing to work on. There's always something you can improve on, which is so great, and you're always learning. Um, so I feel like it's going to be a little give, give and take throughout the season about what's what's really working, what I need to improve on. And that's what's so great about normally having throughout the season is you kind of get an idea of what you can improve on. And especially what you did last year, you continue to grow in. And there's always something else you can improve on. And this is such a complicated season in which to do that. So what did you learn during quarantine that has made you a better person and maybe a better ball player? quarantine it was uh it was great it was nice to be able to spend time with some family and uh but at the same time um, as much as like everyone else we love playing baseball so it was kind of weird when you're you know like you're at the time you look at the calendar it's like normally I'm not at home at this time of year doing things like that so I feel like just learning how to take things in stride uh understanding that you were there was not really an idea at certain points of when we were going to get back so try not to do too much too soon learning to kind of to adjust and not try to go crazy and go stir crazy I guess and uh, really slow and steady wins the race and not to be healthy everything as the season goes speaking of I mean you and your wife Nicole were married last off season, so this is your first full year married and hopefully the only time you're home in April and May and June during a, a baseball season on an everyday basis. But how much did it help to be married during this whole period? Uh, it was great. Um, it's not, I don't think necessarily how we envisioned this time of year happening, especially because we had a, a little stowaway staying with us, uh, Shane McClanahan, who was bunking with us for the a little, a little bit there. Um, but if anything, it was, I, I feel blessed having her here. She's, She's really great for me, um, really keeps me humble, keeps me uh, grounded, especially with this whole quarantine thing. I know I've, me personally, I can get a little carried away and uh, get a little nervous about all the different things about staying where I need to be. And so she helps me kind of like keep me at ease, keep me even keeled. Uh, but we, it's been great now because we call the Tampa Bay Area home now year round, which is great because we, we literally just bought our place here in Tampa. So. Uh, we don't see us leaving here for the foreseeable future. And you obviously grew up in this area and attended games. So would one of the only pluses of the way things are right now that you don't have to worry about ticket requests? from? 
I mean, we, I feel like it's been a couple of years now. So I feel like we've gotten that uh, kind of under control and, uh, it, I mean, it, it's going to be tough because normally we both really enjoy our families being able to be out there and support and uh, really share in those experiences with us throughout a regular season. So um, we're just thankful that everyone's healthy right now. Everyone's still really excited about the season, going to be surrounded by the TV and just glued to the TV, just watching every single game. At least I know my parents will be in pretty sure her parents will be too so they're all just really excited but uh ready for us to get going so you didn't get deluged by a ticket request during the playoffs oh i can't say that i feel like everyone had a little <laughs> bit of that uh but i feel like if anything everyone was just excited that we were in the playoffs and the kind of everything else kind of takes care of itself and certainly the hope is that that'll be the case this year i know this team has very high expectations you know, you mentioned the, the quarantine and the, the virus and trying to stay healthy. Does the fact that several guys on this team have acknowledged they had it, does it make you that much more careful knowing, you know, the amount of time it kept them out? I feel like we've, we've known from the get-go, especially when we spring training the first time got uh, canceled, that it was, this, this is very serious. And I know that we, at least Nicole and I, have done a really good job of being very smart, trying to stay safe, um, doing the six feet apart, washing your hands, not touching your hand, your face. Uh, and I feel like we've, as an organization, the second time spring training, although we've had had a couple guys uh, unfortunately get sick with it, I feel like we've done a really good job of all of our intake testings, everyone being smart. We're doing everything. Everyone has been doing the right thing. So honestly, I feel really good about where we're at right now I feel really comfortable and uh with all our teammates in it because I know they're all doing the same thing what are your personal goals this year we know that you know as a team you want to go further than you got in the playoffs what are your hopes individually just to to help our team uh, get there honestly um I think this year is it's it's like you said it's really unique it's a 60 game stretch every game I mean in 162 game every game matters but essentially now like you have to put your best foot forward and go out there and really hit the ground running, especially from the start. So I feel like that's just the goal is to personally be a part of that and to get back. Like you said, we obviously want to get there back to the playoffs and to get even farther. So we're just excited the kind of team we have and everyone's just ready to get going. What do you think will be the hardest part in terms of the rules, the changes personally to deal with in this year? I feel like maybe the just being able to celebrate with your teammates, especially when you have the moments like where a guy hits a home run or a walk-off where you see the whole team being able to celebrate and kind of storm the field together, or like celebrate in the dugouts like that. It's, it's, we're not, we're going to miss that a little bit, but we have a great group of guys and I'm sure we're going to find some unique ways to, to get around that and still be able to celebrate. So I'm sure those will be, that'll be kind of a learning process as we go, but we're going to find some unique ways to celebrate. Speaking of missing, how much do you miss Shane McClanahan now that he's not rooming with you? Oh, man, you had to ask. He's going to be watching this. Like, he better say something nice about me. No, I miss him a lot, man. He's uh, We've become pretty close over these last couple of years working out together, and uh, especially with him being in camp this year and throwing really well in both spring training. So I'm excited for him. He's, he's a great player, great person. So if he's watching this, I'm sure he's excited. He's getting a mention in this, getting a shout-out. There's a lot of lefties in this organization now. Um, 
he considers himself kind of right-handed because I think lefty is the only thing he, throwing is the only thing he does left-handed. But Josh Fleming is a guy who people said he's Yarborough-esque. What does that mean when you start hearing like guys, oh, he's, he's like you now. I'm sure there were guys you were compared to as you were coming up. Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of a cool thing. Fleming's he's thrown really well. It's been really cool to watch him throw. Um, didn't really get a chance to meet him until spring training and really get to know him a little bit. So we're excited, honestly. I don't, I don't know if that necessarily means just more of just really pounds the zone, just really keep guys, like, interchange speed, stuff like that. So um, we'll have to figure out what exactly the Yarbrough, like Ryan Yarbrough means. I guess we'll have to ask some people. But don't let Shane Cl- McClanahan fool you, by the way. He is left-handed. Don't, don't let him fool you that he is right-handed, Okay. That just he just doesn't want to be associated with us, but he's he's among us. As as a lefty, I don't think there's anything wrong with being. No, left-handed. there's not. It's a compliment. It's not. It's not something you say out of wrong. It's hey, you're left-handed. Thank you. I appreciate that. Exactly. Hey, uh, best moments for you so far in Major League Baseball would be what? <sighs> Debuts got to be up there. Um, you work so hard for those moments to your whole life ever since a little kid to make your debut and pitch in a big league ball game. And I think uh, last year playoffs was incredible. Um, It's obviously not the way we wanted to end it, but for the mission kind of getting the spring training at the beginning of 2019 and knowing that was our goal and to go out there and accomplish that uh, was really special. So just continue to build off that. We're, like I said, we got a great group of guys. It's a really talented team and, uh, we're just excited what this season has to hold. Well, hopefully there are a lot of really good moments for you and the group. We certainly appreciate some time on our latest edition of This Week in Race Baseball. Yeah, I appreciate it, Neil. Thanks for having me. That is Ryan Yarborough, and we'll continue with more on the Rays Baseball Network right after this. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. Time now to chat about the week gone by. Joining us is one more Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Topper, this is new for us, obviously. Having you on the phone is not new, but having you from home during a road trip is. What's this been like for you? Weird, <laughs> disconcerting, <laughs> disorienting, unintuitive. I mean, I could go on and, and go through the whole alphabet, but it, it's you know, it's the reality of what we have to deal with, Neil, just like you guys have been doing um, the broadcast remotely. I know Dave and Andy have been in the booth at the Trop, Dwayne and Brian on TV, Trisha, Rich. Everybody has been doing things differently, and it certainly is the case for me. But, you know, 23 years on the beat, and uh, Wednesday night was the first time I covered a game off the television. So it's, it's definitely been weird. And, you know, you, I think you probably have a better appreciation for the things that you took uh, maybe for granted when you're at the ballpark, things you could see, things you could notice, things you could hear, um, you know, things you sensed uh, being in the clubhouse when there was, you know, something going on, the personal contact with the players. So, we could go on and on, but I think, you know, the, probably the right perspective and the proper perspective to take is you know, appreciate that even under these, you know, bizarre circumstances, there is there are games being played and we are, you know, given the, the opportunity uh, to do our jobs, uh, even though under different circumstances. So what would your biggest takeaway be from this race team in the first nine games? I know yesterday Kevin Cash said they were fortunate, he felt, just to be four and four. Yeah, and, and, you know, he's probably right. I mean, you had that dramatic win uh, at the Trop on Sunday, the walk-off win. I think that was a really mm-hmm. like a really long time ago, a week ago. But, um, yeah, they haven't played great. And, obviously, the, on the road, they haven't played well at all. The offense seems to have been uh, very, very uh, inconsistent, and that's probably a polite word for it. 
they've made way too many mistakes. The mistakes, the defense has been a mess, 11 errors. I think overall, four alone by William Damas, who we were talking about as a gold glove guy last season. Uh, base running mistakes. Uh, we've seen Kevin Kiermeyer make a couple in the last few days. G-Man Choi last night. I mean, just a, I, and you know, I don't know where you put the blame. I mean, I, you know, you open yourself, but let, let, let the social media opinions weigh in and it's on Kevin Cash. It's on the coaches. It's on the fundamentals. You listen to the players. They talk about how they're just not physically right yet. They're not where they normally would be. And, you know, Charlie Morton made the point that some of the pitcher injuries you're seeing now are things that typically would be guys during spring training would back off a little bit because they realize they weren't feeling right, but it's a game situation. So they're going harder. So, there's just so much different, and I know people are probably tired of hearing that because they want to just see games played and, and enjoy the game, but I think we have to remember the context of, of truly, I mean, there's really nothing about this season that's been the same. And, and that said, okay, they get a win today. They're 5-5. Five and five. The top two teams in every division plus two more in the American League get to the postseason, and they would be tied with Baltimore, who I think we all believe they have a pretty good chance of being better than them, Boston and Toronto, at worst. Yeah, and, and, you know, and I think maybe one thing, and, and I'll put myself in this group along with some of our other media uh, colleagues, Neil, and not you, of course, but um, probably maybe playing up too much of the angle of it's getting late early. I mean, you know, if you, you know, you've, they've played uh, at this point nine games, they're playing their 10th game today. You know, normally 10 games is a blip. Out of 162, 10 games out of 60 is obviously more. If you use the, the 2.7 quotient, which is you know what each game would mean in a, over the course of a full schedule, so they'd be 27 games in after today. Um, but you know that's still relatively early, and being five and five now, if they win today, or four and six if they lose, doesn't you know necessarily in any way determine where they're going to be. Assuming the whole schedule gets played and they get to play through all of August and September, but. You know, anytime they go to Baltimore, given where the Orioles are and given where the Rays are, you'd think they would be in pretty good shape. And, you know, having lost the first two and going into this, I mean, Craig Vanderkam from the Rays PR staff had a great note uh, in their game notes, which was, and it's now updated. Since the start of 2018, the Rays are 10 and 12 in Baltimore, 10 and 12 in Baltimore. Every other visiting team is 101 and 43. So everybody else is beating up on the Orioles. And the Rays, for some reason, can't do it. And that's even with the Orioles not having Joey. They don't have Joey Rickard anymore, anymore, who was the guy who was doing most of the damage some of those games. Yeah, it's strange. Why do you think that is? Because the Rays have been a team that both those years won 90 games. Baltimore's been a last-place team. You would think that that would be the kind of team that the Rays would clean up on. Yeah, you would. And just like a few years ago, I think Kansas City was that team where the Rays couldn't, they'd go in there and it didn't matter how good the Rays were supposed to be or how bad the Royals were supposed to be. Uh, they would just not be able to play well there. And we were, you know, joking. It was the food. It was the hotel. It was the food was too good. The food wasn't good. I mean, you come up with all these little things that are that are silly, but there is no logical reason that the Rays, as good as they've been, you know, as you said, the previous two years, 90 win teams, and certainly with expectation to be a playoff team if not a division you know winning type of team this year should have trouble with a team like the Orioles and you know they've got some young players the Rays aren't familiar with we have seen that show up before I mean maybe the extensive scouting the Rays do on the regular pitchers you know it's they don't have as much to work with on these guys but you would think if everybody else is beating up on a team they should be able to too when they've got as much talent as they have on that Rays roster. No doubt. How much are they missing Austin Meadows, though, right now? They've scored one run in the first or second inning the first nine games. We know how much the top of the lineup did in terms of damage early last year in games. 
Yeah, and you know it, that's probably something as many other things that'll ebb and flow over the course of the season. But when you have a specific example, i.e., Austin Meadows isn't playing or hasn't played yet, and the top of the order and the first couple innings of games haven't produced a lot of runs, I think that's a fair conclusion to draw. And that we may see him maybe as soon as Tuesday. Kevin Cash didn't want to commit today, but said he was playing uh, as we're as we're talking right now down in Port Charlotte. I don't know if you have your Port Charlotte camera working, but he supposedly is on the field down there right now and um you know told Cash he was gonna run as hard you know, run hard today. That's one thing he hadn't done yet. Run hard, go all out on the bases kind of thing. So you know we'll see and maybe getting him back will help. It certainly will restore a little bit more normalcy to that batting order. I mean G Man was an interesting choice. He works good at bat top of the order, but putting G Man back more toward the middle and then dropping some other guys down. I mean, we've always seen that that kind of chain effect and how that can typically help. And you wrote about Gmon today in the the Sunday Times, and I hope people will read it, whether it's uh, in the paper or online. He hit the big home run right-handed. He hasn't done a ton left-handed to this point, though. Yeah, it's been weird, right? And uh, the you know the story in the Times today about Gmon, the roots of the switch hitting go back to 2013 with Howard Johnson, our old friend from Clearwater, and mm-hmm. one year as a Rays minor league coach or Delaware Rays minor league coach. But yeah, Gmon, uh, I don't think he would have expected to be doing better from the right side as far as the power. And uh, you know he hasn't looked that good at the plate since their game started. I thought he looked really good at the plate during the inter squad games and the the sim games and things like that, but, you know, as we've, we've seen with a lot of other guys, you know, spring training stats don't translate to a regular season sometimes, and guys have to get adjusted to different things, and the lights and the, the intensity and the pitching from the other teams, and, yeah, maybe there's more of a book on G-Man this year. I don't know. It's been a little puzzling, so I would have had him as a guy I thought was going to get up to a really hot start. How welcome, all that said, will be the, will the day off, do you think, for this group be tomorrow? It should be. I mean, it won't be you know, like everything else. It won't be the same where you know guys are going to go out and I assume you know not go out and hang out at the beach or go to boot or something that a lot of guys would do on an off day. But probably just to get to to get back home and uh, get back to a little bit more normalcy. I mean, I know the protocols have been very strictly enforced on the road from what we've heard. You know, masks at every juncture. Uh, you know, in the hotel, not leaving the hotel, ordering their meals in. Uh, you know, eating in your room is not the most enjoyable thing i've done it many times myself it's you know it's just it it feels awkward and uh i think probably just a chance to relax even a little bit just their own environment uh at home and and, uh probably should help these guys and and maybe just to catch their breath a little bit too they've got a red sox team that hasn't played very well coming in and then that stretch uh one day later than planned because of the doubleheader and the rescheduling but that stretch against the yankees where all 10 games are and now going to be in a 27 day period that'll start friday not easy Mark, good stuff. I uh, hope media dining for you is really good today. Yeah, I've, uh, I've got it. I know the chef a little bit, so I'm hoping uh, they'll do a little better job today. We'll see. All right. That's Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Before we continue, why don't we pause for station identification? You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. WTAE St. Petersburg, WBTP HD3 Clearwater, W224BE Brandon, and W237CW Pinellas Park. We turn our attention down to Port Charlotte and joining us now one of the uh, prospect pitchers for the Rays, that being Josh Fleming. We saw him a couple times in summer camp. Josh, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Tell me what uh, first what the whole quarantine situation was like. Did you go immediately back home to Missouri? How did you handle things? Um, yeah, I mean, right when we were told, um, you know, that we would be able to head home, um, that night I actually packed everything and in the morning I left, um, went to the field, got all my stuff, um, and went home, you know, right away. And 
yeah, I mean, it was like a 16 hour ish drive. Um, so I, I made that in one trip, but, uh, yeah, I went home right away. That's admirable to be able to do 16 hours. That is <laughs> yeah. not easy. How is your family yeah. in all this? Has everyone been healthy? Yeah, everyone's been healthy. Um, you know, it's, we've been doing a pretty good job, um, staying in, going out when we needed to, um, you know, every, everyone's doing good though. Now, how did you handle staying in shape in baseball shape during the pandemic period? Because I know for, for many, everyone had a different situation to deal with. Yeah. So, um, me and Pete Fairbanks, we got together, um, you know, we live fairly close to each other. Um, so we were able to get together on a local high school field, um, as a turf field. So weather didn't really, if it rained, it didn't really affect us too much. Um, but we were able to get on the field and throw every day, which was really, really nice. And, you know, for the first part, you know, we did a lot of running together, a lot of routes with the football and stuff like that. Um, just to, you know, try and stay in shape and, and, you know, stay healthy. Now he joked at one point with us that he actually got you to long toss. Are you a guy who doesn't long toss and now you do, or what's your routine like? So I, I used to long toss all the time. Um, when I was in Bowling Green in 18, because we had a six man rotation, it was easier for me to be able to long toss because I would have, you know, five days in between. Um, so I'd have an off day bullpen and I'd have three days, um, which was nice to have. Um, but once I got to, to high A and everything, we had a five man rotation. So long tossing was not as easy. You know, I'd be throwing one day earlier. So it was a little more taxing on my arm and stuff. So I would say since 18, I hadn't really long tossed that much. So, um, and I, I like to, I like to long toss a lot. So, um, it was actually really nice to, to get back into it. And, and with a guy like Pete, who, I mean, he long tosses every day. It was, I definitely had to get used to it, but it was really nice. Do you think it's helped you going forward a little bit here as to how you felt in summer camp and how you felt since? Yeah, I think it does. Um, you know, um, it's for me, it, it helped build my arm strength up a little bit more and just being able to throw it as, as far as I can and, and come back the next day and do it all over again. It, it definitely helped my arm a lot. There are a lot of negatives of having to sit for three months and then trying to ramp back up again, but it was your first big league camp. Were there things you learned there that you were able to take back home to work on as you got ready for the restart? Um, yeah, I mean, for the pitching side, you know, recently adding a cutter and stuff, um, I was able to come back and, and really focus on, on throwing that and, and which, you know, different counts, different, different pitch sequences, stuff like that. And then um, the curveballs has been um, kind of a work in progress for the last couple of years and, and trying to make it more Yarborough-esque been trying to get on the side of it more. Um, and so coming back, I knew that, that those two pitches were the ones that I really wanted to work on because everything else was fine. Like, you know, obviously still need to work on, you know, the sinker and the, and the changeup, but my, you know, my two pitches that I really wanted to focus on were the cutter and the curveball. And, um, so I knew coming back home what I needed to do. Did you have much chance to chat with him during your times up from Port Charlotte in summer camp? And if so, what did you pick up from him? Because a lot of people use the word Yarbrough-esque when they talk about you. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I pick his brain a little bit, you know, I didn't, I didn't go into pitching right away with him, you know, I just kind of wanted to get my feet wet and instead of right away going and asking questions about pitching, just kind of wanted to, you know, get to know him a little bit more and, and just get comfortable and stuff. So I didn't really ask him a whole lot about pitching, but it was more so just watching video on him and seeing the slow-mo videos on him and stuff to really work on, on the curveball. 
down in Port Charlotte, what are the types of things that you're learning and you're improving on and how much does it help to face the hitters you're facing that are there like guys who have big league experience, Nate Lowe, Daniel Robertson, Brian O'Grady, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really good to to be able to face that and, and not that some of the hitters that I faced back home weren't good, but um, it, it's definitely nice to face big league hitters um, again and stuff. And, and, you know, like you said, they got big league time. They, they're really experienced hitters. And so I just got to learn, you know, learn how to pitch backwards to them and, and really, you know, kind of not, not um, what's it called? Reverse psychology, kind of like a reverse reverse psychology um, because, you know, they're smart hitters and stuff. So just, it, it, it's great to face hitters like that. It really is. And, how have uh, Rick Knapp and Dewey Robinson been? I know they're working with the pitchers specifically down there. What have you picked up? Because Rick Knapp is someone you probably would have had this year as your Durham pitching coach. Yeah. Um, you know, when I got there, you know, I thought I made a lot of good progress with the curveball um, during the quarantine. But when I got there, it was still – it was sharp, but it wasn't as sweepy as they would like. Um, so that was one of the first things when I got down here was really learn on just – keep staying on the side of it even more than I really was and, and learning to sweep it better as opposed to getting more, more of like the 12, six, I wanted more, you know, like a, a 10, four, um, type, type break. Um, and so when I got here, that was like the first thing, you know, that I was working on was getting it slower. Um, I didn't want it to be a very hard pitch. Um, you know, I wanted it to, to, to be slower. And that was one thing that we discussed Dewey and, and Nappy and I was, um, it was beneficial to, you know, to take off some of the velocity to get more of the movement and stuff. And so I've been working on that. And that's on the field, but off the field, how um, are you making sure to be as careful as possible? Because I'm sure you guys have all read the stories about the Marlins this week and yeah. how critical mm -hmm. it is for everyone in your camp to be just as careful as those that are right. traveling on the road. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, for me, it's not very, it's not very hard. I, I typically stay in, in my apartment most of the time. If it's, I mean, it, it's nice most of the days down here. So I'll golf every now and then. Um, but even then, you know, we're careful. We, when we go, it's, everyone has their own cart. We make sure that it gets disinfected and wiped down before we even, you know, sit in it and stuff. So, I mean, we're taking pretty good precautions here. Um, you know, Aaron and I, we, we have our own rooms. We, you know, we, we clean up after ourselves pretty nicely. And, and, you know, we, when we go out to get groceries and whatnot, always have a mask on. Um, I think they actually made it mandatory you know, in Publix and Walmart and stuff, which is awesome because, you know, when we first got down here, it was like no one was wearing masks. It was, it was really weird. And if you walked in and you're wearing a mask, people looked at you funny. So, I mean, we're taking the right precautions. We're being really careful. Who cooks? Aaron is a very good cook. He, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm more of a, I, I like to make breakfast. That's about it. Um, but he, he whips up everything in the kitchen. And so I, I actually watch him a lot, make, make a lot of good food. Because you're supposed to, you're getting, your plan is to get married this off season, So you yep. might be able to pick up a couple things. I'm going to need to. I'm, I'm definitely going to need to. Yeah. And how is that going? Because I'm sure I've talked to a lot of people who have had to move their plans. Are you guys still on? We are still on. Yeah. Um, you know, thankfully we haven't had to move anything just yet. Um, and knock on wood, we won't have to. But it's, I mean, things are going smoothly so far. Well, let's hope uh, the game of adjustments continues in your favor. And yep. let's hope you get that first big league shot, too. Josh, we appreciate some time on this week in Rays baseball. Thank you for having me. That is Rays pitching prospect Josh Fleming coming up. Minor league field coordinator Michael Johns and Madison Lyle staying busy with a new business while the team is on the road. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. 
Well, we continue on this week in race baseball, and joining us now from Port Charlotte is Michael Johns, field coordinator for the Rays on the minor league side. And Michael, first of all, how have you been, and what has this all been like for you personally? Well, I've, I've been good. Thanks for asking, Neil. Good seeing you. Um, but a lot better now. Obviously, we're all excited that baseball is cranking up, and you know, to see our big league team get off to such a good start is awesome. But it's good, you know, it's good to have the guys, you know, swinging the bat and pitching on the mound and having some sim games and, like, getting to work with guys defensively instead of just calling them on the phone and seeing how they're doing in Zoom calls. But it's been awesome. Um, the guys have been great, a lot of energy down here. Um, obviously, you know, these aren't the ideal scenario when we're it's 110 degrees on the field every day and everybody's sweating through their jerseys. But I think everybody understands that, you know, this might be the one chance they get called up. It might be a night. It might be a week. It might be a weekend could be a month so everybody's taking it very serious it's funny the you know you come to the field and my like our biggest concern is safety it's do do they have their mask on are they socially distancing those are like the biggest things that run through your head throughout the day and then baseball is kind of secondary as as odd as it seems but again it's just you know we're excited we're excited to be back on the field and everybody's um everybody's in good spirits based on obviously what happened in Miami how careful do you have to make sure you are and also emphasize when guys are off the field and they go home, that they're just as careful there as they are when they're with you guys. Yeah, I think, um, you know, even before the Marlins thing happened, um, we were about a week into it, and we were all probably pretty lax, if we were to be honest. You know, we were wearing the mask, and then sometimes we wouldn't, and maybe we'd get a little too close. And then we had 11 um, pendings one day in Port Charlotte, which means it's not a positive and it's not a negative. So 11 of us had to stay away from the field. I think when that happened, it opened up everybody's eyes and everybody from that point on was like, you know what, this is serious. Like, let's follow the protocol. Let's be smart. Let's wash our hands, social distance, the face mask. We haven't had to have, had to say a thing, but to the Marlins, yeah, I mean, it opened all our eyes. You know, we've worked – a lot of people have worked very hard to get to, uh, to where we are right now, and we can't afford to to go backwards right now. And I, It's a shame what happened with the Marlins. Hopefully it's it's just something that – was a, a weird fluke and we don't have that again with any team but but I think by and large the guys know what's at stake and and on that end how do you balance what you got going on in camp because you got some guys like Austin Meadows and Randy Arozarena who are trying to get themselves big league ready you have some guys who are prospects and other guys who are trying to keep in shape in case there's a need yeah you know what it's been a it's been a, a balancing act is probably the best way to put it um I would say that probably Meadows is in a different category just because we know he's going to go out and play outfield every day for him um the other guys to be honest we're treating them the same I mean they're getting the exact same amount of work the exact same amount of bats um to be quite honest like we don't know who's going to get called up none of us know um that's out of our hands all we can do is make sure they're ready when they do so we, we don't treat anybody any differently. Everybody, like I said, gets the same amount of work, same amount of at-bats. You know, we are stretching certain pitchers out for length. That would probably be the only difference. Everybody else is getting, you know, a good amount of work. So give me an idea of what a normal day is because you've got to get guys reps, be it offensively, be it defensively, be it pitching. But I'm sure there's also a lot of individual work that goes on. How, how do you break that down over the course of a day? Yeah, so when the seat, when this all started um, three or four weeks ago, um, you know, I think we were all trying to fill our way through this. And I probably had a different schedule every day. And it was somewhat by design so that the guys would not get uh, complacent. It wouldn't become a redundant day. So basically what we've done is in the morning they come in, they have about an hour to eat and do, you know, training or activity or anything they need to do to get their body going. They have about a 13, 30 to 45-minute window in the cage where they can get their individual work. And then we'll also pull guys away for individual defense. 
And then we go into what, you know, either BP on the field or we'll do some type of team defense or individual defense, and then we play a sim game. But again, early on, we didn't have a lot of those sim games because the trop was pulling all of our pitchers, which understandably they needed to get those guys at bat. So we didn't have a lot of games early. So we just had to be creative. Um, we've done a lot of coach pitch stuff. We've had a lot of the staff actually play in positions in the field, and it hasn't been pretty at all. We, we Our age is showing, but we're just trying to stay creative. We're, we're at a point now, once the season started with the trop, we've pretty much got it down to a pat where, you know, where they're going to come in around the same time every day, which is 9 or 10. We've kind of separated the pitchers. Um, they're kind of on their own field. They do PFP. They do their sides. And then we go and do, you know, the cage work, the individual work. Um, the team defense, and then we play, and we play the game. We've been fortunate to have, you know, five or six sim games up to this point. Um, they've been anywhere from three to five innings, and we'll continue those. Obviously, they're the most important, and our job is to make sure we're still creating a competitive environment in those games because it's not easy when it's five on five and, and the coaching staff is filling in. So what we try to do is put a full team defense out there and then have four or five guys hit. But, you know, the guys have been good. They've been locked in. They understand the at-bats are important. This isn't just a normal spring training at-bat because their next at-bat might be at the trough, and it really means something. So we've, uh, you know, the staff, I think, has done a great job with just the energy and and trying to be creative. How many staff members do you have uh, there, and who are the guys along with you? I know Rick Knapp and Dewey Robinson have been there. Who else is down there in Port Charlotte? Yeah, so we started with six, and we we just added Brady Williams. He was with the, the major league team um, for the homestand, and now he's with us. But we have Dan DeMint, who's running the hitting. Tomas Francisco has the catching. Chris Prieto, our new outfield base running coordinator, has that. And then I take the infielders. Um, so it's it's pretty balanced. I mean, I think we have enough staff. And obviously we have, you know, two clubbies and the food and the trainers. I think we have plenty of staff. But, but like I said, Brady's been a great addition, um, so he'll really help out too. So give us an idea, too, of maybe what stood out to you, because you get your eyes on some of these guys who hadn't seen them since March. Is there anyone who has really done a great job of either A, maintaining, or B, taking a, a really big big step forward on either the position player side or the pitching side? Yeah, I think we were all surprised at just how good a shape these guys were in. I think they took their – I don't know if we called it an offseason, but when we weren't playing games when we were supposed to, these guys were in shape. They came in big and strong, and they looked healthy, the, the – the, the pitchers had their velo right away and they had their ability to, to, to command the all speed. So that's what really stood out early. I'm like, my gosh, you guys did a great job of just really being self-motivated, not knowing if we were going to play or not. You know, the guys we're trying to stretch out right now are Gil Martin, uh, Banda, Fleming, Slaggers. They've all done a really nice job. They're all in the strike zone, which is obviously the key to anything. But if, if I guess if one guy probably that really st- has stood out on the mound has been Curtis, and maybe it's because I didn't get a chance to see him much in spring training, and none of us did, at least here. But his ability to add and subtract in the strike zone, his composure on the mound, his competitiveness, he makes it look easy. He's been really good. And then, obviously, we have our young arms here. McClanahan and Boz have just – and Joe Ryan have been awesome. I mean, just they're they're electric. And I think early on that the pitching was really, really ahead of the hitting. And then the hitting kind of caught up. And now the pitching's starting to dominate again. And I'm asking our hitters, like, we're not scoring a run. I'm like, guys, what's going on? Like, what do we need to change? They're like, our pitchers are filthy. They're just filthy. And so they're doing good. But on the position player side, um, you know, O'Grady's doing some really nice things in left and center and right. We're able to put him at third a little bit, some first base. That versatility, as you know, with our big league team is going to become in, is going to come in a huge. Nate Lowe's done a great job since he's come down working at third and first. We may get him a little bit in the outfield. And then we have our young core, you know, we have, uh, 
you know, Foxy and Franco and Walsey and Ronnie Hernandez have all been awesome. Um, but I think if one hitter has stood out, it's been Ronnie Hernandez. He, I think his first three sim games, and I know he, obviously he did really well at the trop in front of the, you know, the big league staff, and that was awesome. But he came back down. He went four for five, three home runs, one off the foul pole, a double off the wall. The only out he made was a line drive. I think it was 98 miles an hour at the shortstop. So he was, he's extremely locked in. And, and from that end, you know, you're a field coordinator for all the minor leagues. So how do you balance trying to keep in touch with all the other guys? Because you want to make sure that next year these guys are in position or if there's a fall league or an instructional league or something that they're prepared for that. How much are you doing on that end? A lot. Yeah. I'll be honest, Neil, like we have really good staff. I know everybody knows that we have this culture that I think everybody understands just how special it is to be here, but I really lean on our staff and our staff is just taking the bull by the horns. Obviously we're not able to be with the players. So we're doing a lot of zoom coaching. We're doing a lot of what we call, we have a smarter base system where the players able to go in and log in what he's doing that day, show you what he's doing. We have drills that are recommended for him. You know, our hitting side, pitching side, defensive side, they're all on top of it. They all have type A personalities. You don't have to motivate them. They just go do it. And I think our players feed off of that. So we're not losing a step. I mean, obviously we want to be with these players, but if we can't, you know, this is the best we can. And I I really have just leaned on our staff. Um, I'm still on all the calls, but I have like a lot lesser role. Just depending, I'm just leaning on our guys. And I'm really just kind of listening to being a fly on the wall and, and try to add suggestions when I can. But Everybody understands, like, the full focus right now is Port Charlotte. The full focus is our 25, 26, 27 players here, and that's got to be where all of our attention is. Michael, great stuff. Great to chat with you, and uh, we hope to do it again soon. Yeah, me too. Anytime, Neil. Thank you. And that is Rays minor league field coordinator Michael Johns. Back to the Rays, and while the team today wraps up its first road trip of 2020, this individual is probably wrapping up her latest order for her new bakery, and that is one Madison Lau. Madison, thanks very much for being with us. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Now, you started this new business during the pandemic. How did it all come about? Um, so I've always baked ever since I was little, and um, I just started posting my cookies and cakes and stuff on my personal Instagram account. Um, and all my friends have always been like, oh, this is great. You should do something with this. Well, then they started ordering. Um, and so then I kind of was just talking with Brandon was like, you know what? Like, there's no better time than now. I have nothing else going on. And so I just decided to start my business. And then it's kind of taken off from there. Do you have any family that have been in the baking business or, or any, any family members who you always like to bake with as a kid? My whole family really bakes, but we don't have like a baking, baking business. Um, so I just always grew up, like I was um, telling some other people, I, um, we always just used to bake like the Nestle Toll House, like the recipe on the back of the um, little like morsel chocolate chips so that's how we kind of started is we always did that we never bought store bought or like cookie dough um but then like my grandma's always baked cakes and pies and just everything so I kind of just fell in love with it since I was little and obviously the name that you guys have used sweet and loud bakery kind of fits with Brandon and and with you and and it looks like your website your Instagram um posts have been a big hit yeah, I mean, everyone's really been so supportive. I've been really lucky just with, like, the Rays community. Every All the fans have just been, like, really great with it. All my family, um, everyone's just been so supportive, which has been really great. Tell me what's your favorite item or items to bake, and then maybe what Brandon likes of the items you make. <laughs> so 
I really like making the cookies just because I feel like everyone is just like a different piece of art. Like I get to do, be the most creative, I think with the cookies. Um, but the cakes, I love making cakes just because like, I like eating those the most. Brandon likes everything except for lemon flavored stuff, which has been a really popular item. And I always make like one or two to keep here, um, that I can try and stuff. And he is just not ever happy with those orders because he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't get to try those. Uh, he's been, he likes pretty much everything. So you've got a taste tester too. I do. He's not very like brutally honest. I was actually uh, joking around that like my, my dad and my brother, I sent them some cookies to kind of test out and they were very honest um, with my first batch and were like, you should do this and add this. And then Brandon's like, they're great. <laughs> so he's very, he's the supportive one. So give us an idea, how, how busy have you been? What kind of stuff have you done, you know, during this whole pandemic period where, where have you sent orders only been local or have you sent them out all over? Yeah, so so I work under the Florida, Florida like cottage food laws. So basically I can only give orders in this area. Like I ship to my family just as like free like taste tests, but like I don't really do orders outside of the state. Um, but I've been really busy. I think today's actually my first day off in probably a month, uh, like over a month um, of not having orders. So um, I basically have at least one order a day, but some days like before opening day, I think I had nine, nine orders to do that that night before um, to get out for opening day. But anything really unique that you've done an order for? Uh, what kind of things? I'm sure it's been birthdays and, and other types of things like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of stuff has been raised themed, um, especially with season starting. So I got to do some really fun opening day cookies, which were really cool. Honestly, I, nothing like too crazy. Most of them have just been like for local businesses. Some like people have bought just like their logos on cookies. So those are a little bit different. Just, just really birthdays. Father's day was a big one. So I got to make some fun ones for father's day, 4th of July just kind of all the holidays, they've been kind of around that. And is the eventual hope that you would open up your own actual brick and mortar bakery, obviously, once we get beyond COVID? Um, I think maybe after baseball is done, um, maybe that's a thing. It's just with our schedules usually and traveling and we're not even in Florida year round. So I think maybe that would be down the line and something I can do when, um, our schedules aren't as crazy as they are <laughs> in normal, normal times. How much has this helped to just because it is during a pandemic and there is a lot of stress, you know, my wife always, I always knew when something was stressing her when she was baking and yeah. sometimes it can be a great stress reliever too. Yeah. Um, baking has always been my stress reliever. Um, so it's actually been wonderful. I don't know if in this quantity, it is still a stress reliever. I know sometimes Brandon's like, are you okay? Like, you good? But I, I love it. It's been perfect. Sorry, my dog is tweaking her toy in the back. <laughs> but it's been, it's been great. It's really been like a godsend, uh, especially during this time to keep me busy um, and not just sitting around and watching and reading the news and just like all, all that. And especially with social distancing, I mean, you're, you're trying to keep, you know, make sure that your house stays healthy because that means all the other players and their wives stay healthy. And the being indoors and baking is actually a really, you know, activity that occupies you. Yeah. I mean, I literally, I think the only time I've gone outside is to get 
my supplies and I just run to the grocery store. I know the two aisles I have to get everything on and get in and out. Um, and then all my deliveries, it's just in like an open, open parking lot, I just kind of hand them off and, and go back. So that's really the only times we're out of the house. So it's good that when I'm in the house, I have something to keep me, keep me busy. And you've got your dog to keep you, uh, to keep, keep you company. Yes, very busy. Well, that's great to hear. For people who want to know more and want to take a look at some of the things that you've put together, they can go where your website and Instagram? Website, Instagram, Facebook are my biggest. They kind of all have the same same stuff. So um, any of them, whatever. So sweet and Sweet and Loud Bakery, all one word. Yes. And that is Madison Lau, and we certainly wish the Sweet and Lau Bakery a whole lot of success. Again, you can learn more on Facebook, Instagram too, as well as sweetandloudbakery.com. Hey, reminder not to forget to enter the Rays Weekly 50-50 Charity Raffle. You can enter from the comfort of your home each game this week for a chance to win. All you have to do is go to raysbaseball.com slash 50-50, and some restrictions apply. And we also hope that you can help prevent the spread of coronavirus. The Rays are reminding you to follow the state and local guidelines, wear a mask in public, practice social distancing, and wash your hands frequently. Stay safe and raise up. Want to thank Madison Lau, of course, uh, of Sweet and Lau Bakery and the wife of Brandon. And all of our guests on our show today, among them, Ray's pitcher, Ray's starting pitcher, Ryan Yarborough. Also, Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times for reviewing the week gone by. Thanks to prospect Josh Fleming joining us from Port Charlotte, as well as the minor league field coordinator of the Rays, that being Michael Johns. And, of course, if you ever have something you want to hear on the show, as we do it weekly, all you have to do is tweet me at Neil Solons, or if it's easier with the spelling, you can go to Ask Race Radio. Among the guests we'll have on the program next week, Kevin Kiermeyer and much, much more. Special thanks to my producer, Jason Berenger, as well as to Eric DeBose. I'm Neil Solon. Stay tuned. It's the Rays and Orioles. It's the Rays looking to get back to 500 to finish off the road trip. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network.